Good afternoon. Thank you once again for joining me. Julian Campbell here. We've got another interesting show lined up for you this week. But later in the program, we'll have a look at a couple of our Harvard Business Review tips. And we're also going to have a chat with Christina on our Minute for Innovation. Right now, we're going to pop over to AV Chartered Accountants and have a chat with Tony Vidray. Good afternoon, Tony. Hi, Julian. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. I'm a little little bit dizzy dizzy. after the budget. (laughs) I'm dizzy. <laughs> dizzy. Good, yeah. good, good song to put on before for an accountant, is it? Yeah, exactly. I'm completely dizzy. Yeah, look, I, I must be the only person who hasn't paid a lot of attention to the uh, to the budget. I, I was jokingly saying yesterday and today that um, I'll tell you when I'll read the detail on the on the budget, and that'll be on the Saturday night of the election, and uh, and that's if the coalition um, get Wins. re-elected. Yeah, there's. Look, yeah, A, they've got to be re-elected, and, and B, yeah. I've already read in some things where there's some fairly, you know, uh, the lobby groups are not happy. Okay. Um, there, there's some real... I'll just give you one of them. The, you may have heard the lifetime limit of $500,000 uh, of um, non-concessional. Super. That's like after-tax contributions going into super. And, they, they, you know, they proposed that they backdate it to 2007. Wow. So, you know, retrospective legislation like that just doesn't work. So just expect... Um, Expect there to be a few changes. <laughs> I'm not paying a lot of attention to it at the minute. A little bit of a sweetener for an election, probably. Oh, probably. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah it's, just, it's just you know, it's like as as I often say about retrospective legislation, it's like you driving down the street at 60 kilometres per hour, and then they pass a law and say, oh no, that stretch of road is actually no, 50, 50 kilometres an hour, and we'll and we'll we'll find you for doing yeah, we'll we'll find you for doing 60 kilometres an hour last week. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's talk about getting some money back. Eh? Energy rebates due. Yeah, look, that's coming up. It's it's one of those things that comes around every year and um, it's going to cut out. You've got to get your application in before um, the 16th of June, which is uh, not too far away. It's a family energy rebate. So to qualify, um, you can get up to about $150 credit on your energy bill. Um, you need to be a resident of New South Wales. You need to have... Um, it, uh, in it, you need to be the account holder of an electricity um, account. So you need to, the bill needs to be in your name. There's a few exceptions, which I won't go into, um, which there's more details online. Um, you need to have lodged your June 15 tax return um, and you need to be um, eligible and, and receive the family tax benefit Part A or Part B. Okay. So if you tick all those boxes, you can get $150 back off your, uh, off your energy bill. So um, go on to the the website of the uh, Department of Industry, Resources and Energy. And I'll tell you lots, lots more about it. You can, you can apply online as well. And if you're already registered, you, it normally comes forward, doesn't it? Or you have to re-register? Well, I, I asked actually the guys here this morning about that. They're not 100% certain. Mm. Um, so uh, look, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't automatically assume it. Um, you're better off filling in a form. It takes about two minutes to fill it in. And if it's automatic, great. You've just wasted two minutes of your time, but that's better than not filling it in and, and yeah, missing out. Not getting so it. I'd, I'd, I'd probably go to the trouble of um, of doing the form. So, so now the uh, ATO is looking at our lifestyle assets. Yes, lifestyle. On your program, we have mentioned before that the ATO spent um, something like $750 million on their new computer system about six years ago, mm. and uh, it's paying for itself. So what they're doing, they're, they're going to approach um, 28 general and specialist insurance insurers. So insurance companies, and they're going to say, give me a list of all the people um, that insure the following assets. Um, boats, marine vessels, um, enthusiast motor cars, so all your specialist uh, motor vehicles, 
all those hot rods that you see on the uh, curry festivals, all those mm. things on the weekend, uh, thoroughbred horses, um, fine art, and aircraft. So if you own any of those sort of things and you insure them, that data is going to go to the ATO. And what they're going to do is cross-check it against your income. And uh, if you've got a lot of those sort of items, they're going to, uh, they're, they're going to probably pose the question to say, well, how are you affording to, uh, to maintain that when you're declaring income of you know, only $10,000 a year? I feel sorry for the person who has accumulated these assets over a long period of time and is now retired, mm. so, the, <clears throat> so therefore doesn't have any... Um, any income, income. But, but you can see what they're doing. They're, yeah. they're trying to match, you know, life for life. That's it. If you can afford these things, how did you accumulate it? How did you pay for it? And um, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. And we just talked about being dizzy there. And uh, actually, next week I'm going to be having a chat with the uh, president of the Maitland Chamber of Commerce. You're going to go up and do business in Maitland. I, yes, I've just opened an office up there because I, I, I don't think working 60 hours a week is quite enough for me at the moment. So, <laughs> so I, had a, yeah, I had a great opportunity and, um, yeah, I'm, I'm part of the... Is, is that, that's Craig McGregor you're talking Craig about? Craig McGregor, yeah, you need yeah, to be part of that chamber now. I am part of the chamber. Oh, okay. I've been, yeah, joined it about um, six months ago. It's a great, very progressive um, organisation. It's, it's great and, yeah, part of the reason is, um, yeah, I've got a presence in Maitland as of, uh, as of last week. So... Uh, they're doing some great things. That whole sort of redevelopment on the uh, the oh, levee bank there—they're they're punching a hole through a couple of buildings and opening it up to the um, um, to the river. It's um, yeah, it's very um, very positive, and the mall looks great. Actually, they spent a fair bit of money, and they finally <laughs> finished it. They ran a bit behind, um, but it's, yeah, it's a good area up there. And uh, as you say, the uh, the Maitland Chamber is a very active chamber up there. Uh, you usually get probably up to a hundred people at their uh, functions, and uh, that's a lot. And the other interesting thing up in that area is that the uh, the council themselves have a, a business leaders lunch about every three months as well, which uh, oh, okay. keeps business leaders in the in the loop. And uh, yeah, um, yeah, very very progressive from that point of view. I, I don't want to get political, but I, all I'll say is that there are a lot of councils in the immediate vicinity that can learn a lot from there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we'll be talking with Craig next week anyway. So uh, oh, finding good. out more oh, what's going on, Maitland. Oh. Uh, Thank you. We'll uh, have a chat with you again in a month's time. No worries. Have a good week. Thank you. Bye-bye. Tony Vidray there from AV Chartered Accountants. Yeah, just be aware that that energy rebate's coming up and you need to get your application in quickly. And if you've got all those beautiful assets like uh, fancy cars and boats and planes, make sure the tax office uh, doesn't catch you out. And you're listening to Business, the Law and You on 2NURFM 103.7. It's coming up to 23 minutes past one. Time to pop over to Christina Geriakides and talk about innovation. Good afternoon, Christina. Good afternoon, Julianne. How are you on this beautiful sunny day? I'm, well, I'm in the studio at the moment, but I'll be out again in about half an hour. So Excellent. Then fan- you'll get to enjoy the sunshine. Fantastic. Uh, so uh, we're going to talk a little bit about problem solving today. Oh, yeah, I think so. So... Most innovations happen when people identify a problem. So 
I always look at problems as opportunities. I know a lot of people go, oh, that's really cliche and, you know, a problem is a problem and it's not really an opportunity. But for me, every problem that's identified is something that can be improved or traditionally, generally, something that can be improved. So if you you think up a new product, a new service, you you figure out a way to to, um, fill a gap. So, for example... Um, the local uh, ladies that, that decided that seniors housing online needed to be developed had identified a problem. They couldn't find um, any accommodation for their elderly father. Therefore, they went, there's a gap in the market. So problem identified, opportunity identified. Then they had to figure out how they were going to go about, about plugging the gap that they had identified. So the first thing that we usually suggest to people is that they get a really good team together. And the other thing that is, I believe is quite necessary is to set some timelines. So you don't need to let these things drag out. Some product design development takes, you know, years. And you really need to be prototyping it, testing it a lot sooner than, than a few years down the track. So the best kind of team to get together, and whether you've got an internal team you can draw on or whether you want to get, get external people involved, because sometimes that's very, very um, helpful, the team needs to be diverse, so it needs to be gender diverse and it needs to be um, uh, diverse in skills. So if it's a product or service, we always suggest that there's a, a product designer or an engineer um, involved, but you also need the marketer because the marketer or the, or the HR person will look at things from the customer's perspective and you really need that. Even early days when you're figuring out what the product's going to do, you need to be very much aware of how the customer is going to view things. A bookkeeper, an accountant is always somebody who's really good at figures, always great to have them involved because they kind of keep things keep things real. Accountants oh, very much track. keep things real. Yeah. Um, so once you've got the team together, the next thing that we suggest is that you get people into a mapping process. So you map the process that you want to take place. It's like having an agenda. So what are the jobs that are going to do and what that need to be done? And we often start at the end. So we go, okay, what is the end picture look like? What does the end product look like? What does the end service look like? And how are we going to get there? So um, went through this process a couple of weeks ago with a client who has who has a vision for an organisation uh, that they want to put together. And we went, we started at the end. Okay, what does this look like? Who's going to buy it? What kind of things, what kind of services is this, is this organisation going to offer? So often start at the end, start with the end in mind. Then the next thing to do is actually research, research, research. Who's the target market? Who are the customers? Who do you need to test your product on? And that's really good to identify right at the beginning as well because they help you set a deadline. If you go, okay, I've identified um, that this is my target market group, start contacting them and say, right, in two months' time, in four months' time, in six months' time, we would like you to be part of our test group. Identify the risks, what problems is it that you want to solve, but also... What are the barriers to solving those problems? What are the things that you think might come up as barriers in this whole process? Um, next thing would be to actually revisit the map, but with the solutions to the problem in mind. And we use a we use a brain shifting tool. So we would ask everybody to come up with their own individual solutions and then throw all those individual solutions on the table because we want to make sure everybody has an equal voice um, in the problem-solving process. Then you decide what's viable, what's not viable, what kind of things do you want to try. And at this point in time, we would introduce the business model canvas. And I know that, that you use that as well. So I think it, it's a very viable tool to introduce at, at this point in time. And it's not like you have to do a whole business plan because you don't want to waste all that time oh. doing a complete business plan on something that you're testing. So we would then introduce a business model canvas, make up an action board. So what needs to happen in what order for this for this 
prototype, which would be the next step, to actually evolve. So whether it's a product or service, is it an online product, is it, is it a face-to-face product, whatever it is, prototype it. And then we go into the test, prototype, test, prototype, and if you get to the end of that, then you're going to market. So that's, that's kind of a, um, a rough map of how to get things happening. Yeah, yeah. So, and it all comes from problem solving. So you mentioned this team. Um, I think you have to be very careful that the team doesn't get too big because that's when you start to not get actions happening. I mean, you know, what they say, it's things designed by committees take out a long time. Yeah, we would limit a team to five to seven people. We wouldn't have any, like, I think five's a great number because you've got that uneven Uneven number number. in case, yeah. You need to even vote. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Um, But anything more than seven is just way too many. There's too many... You know, and you, and the the other thing you need to be is really upfront, open, and honest from the beginning. Mm. But you also need to have God a loves. mindset that's yeah. Well, you need to have a mindset that says I'm not right. I'm contributing to an organisational activity. So it's not this is my way or the highway. But I'm mm. part of a team, and I'm part of a team producing a pro, a, a product mm. or a service. Well, we're not going to have your presence for the next couple of weeks because you're off to the states. I am. I'm going to the Boston Front End Innovation Conference and I'm looking forward to just immersing myself in all things innovation for three, four days there. Um, and then a little visit to Zappos, which will be um, fantastic. And then a visit um, in San Francisco to the D School at Stanford University. So mm. lot, it's going to be a whirlwind tour, but lots of, lots of um, soaking up of Information. Lots of knowledge around creativity and innovation, yeah, love well, it. Well, you have a safe trip and we'll uh, have a chat with you when you come back. That's Christina with uh, How to Solve a Problem. We've got time for uh, one of our Harvard Business Review tips and this one fits in nicely with what we've just be discussing with Christina. A checklist to help you make better decisions faster. Decision-making overload is a common experience among managers, but you can process choices more efficiently and achieve better outcomes by using a checklist. First of all, write down five company goals that will be impacted by the decision. This helps you avoid the rationalisation trap of making up reasons for your choices later. Secondly, write down at least three realistic alternatives. Then, write down the most important information you are missing. Write down the impact your decision will have a year from now. Get buy-in from a team of at least two, but no more than six stakeholders. This is what we just talked with Christina. Hearing different perspectives reduces your bias, but bigger groups have diminishing returns. Then write down what was decided as well as why and how much the team supports the decision. This increases commitment and helps you measure results. And finally, schedule a follow-up in a month or two to make course corrections. So that fits in quite nicely with what we talked about earlier with Christina. And of course, uh, I thank you for being with me for the last half hour. hope you enjoyed the program. We've looked at uh, uh, energy rebate and ATO lifestyle assets. In a moment, Jane Klein will be back with you with more of your easy listening favourites. Next week, we'll have... A look at starting a business with Elia Aitchison from New Hunter Business. We're going to talk to Craig McGregor, the president of the Maitland Chamber of Commerce, and of course have some more business and legal news and views that might affect your business. I'd love your company again for business, the law and you at the same time next week. Until then, have an exciting and prosperous week. And as Benjamin Franklin once said, an investment in knowledge always pays the best interest.